1: yeah welcome you to another untapped and vinyl it's all about punk rock today i got monk here with me and punk rock edition that's it i'm excited about this one yes sir (laughs)
2: doing the most anti-punk thing in the world and drinking a lemon goza right now yeah <laughs> but it's i mean it, for for goza so we're drinking uh one of my favorite uh breweries down in hattiesburg mississippi is southern prohibition brewing company and this is their ice box lemon goza and i mean it's a little tart a little sour but i mean it's not overwhelmingly sour right it's not overwhelmingly lemon it's more lemon on the nose than it is on the tongue
1: definitely Which i'm uh good. powered halfway through this sucker already i'm trying to get to the goods
2: <laughs> yeah we got some other SoPro stuff that we're going to be drinking on but i mean you know I mean, i'm on a, gonna get on the uh, untapped and probably give it a, a a 2.5
1: what's the scale one to
2: five yeah one to five yeah five being your favorite I'll probably give it a two point five on there. I mean, it's 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 a solid. Like I could sit by the pool and drink this shit all day long.
1: You yeah, know? yeah. I could uh, I could definitely see it. You know, at the pool or uh, you know, at the beach or, you know, uh, that's about as far as it goes. That's not not gonna like drink it here again.
2: We it's a low ABV.
1: I'm gonna say I give it a three three point five. Yeah. This is uh, it's gonna be the one and done with me. <laughs>
2: Well, you'll take it back to the
1: house, and you'll have them eventually. Oh yeah. Because then you know, no, no
2: beer left behind. That's what I always say. Cheers. Unless to that. it's a fucking Miller Light, then it's left behind.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> that, that is uh. Just
2: don't do it, dude. I can't. That a Bud Light, a Miller Light, um, really a, a butt wiper. I don't like those either. You know the Bud heavies. You
1: know the the Bud the Bud heavies, man. Is uh, it's a headache in every can or bottle. To yeah.
2: Me. Yeah. Just one. And, and I'll even go as far as to say I will drink beers that I have to put uh, limes in. But if I got to put something in my beer, it's not good beer and I don't really want it. So, you know, if you give me a leaf Corona over at my house and I don't have limes, they will probably get drank. But at the end of when everything else is run out, you know what I mean?
1: i tell you this is I like Corona extra, but not Corona light. I don't care if you put a lime in that thing or not. I yeah, ha- I have to have the extra. Huh. And like the Yingling lager, yeah. I, that they I tried it mm, two weeks ago. The light lager, mm-hmm. don't like it. Not for it. Regular lager, yeah. If I had to drink Yingling, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean Yingling, I can you know if like I go over to your house and that's all you got and you offer me a beer, I'm not gonna turn it down. You right. know what I mean? But I'm not going to the store to purchase any myself. Right.
1: But and, shout out to River Hill knocking it out of the park. Hey, River enough. Hill's got a good selection, man. Yeah. River. Did you found these at River Hill? No. No. Oh, uh, I went to uh, Coconuts there in oh, Starville. Okay. okay, gotcha. Which usually they had the Ghost in the Machine, and I got to looking like their entire stock of Parish Brewing was, all they had was the Wheat Ale. Oh, damn. Like, they usually, no Bloom
2: even. not uh, Bloom yeah, They didn't, didn't one have my Bloom. Favorites.
1: They didn't have either Envy. Yeah. And I was like, well, can't do parish at all. I was going to do some parish today. You yeah. know, I told you I wanted sure. to yeah, have yeah, Ghost yeah. in the Machine for this one. Mm-hmm. That's about punk as it gets for me. There you go. But uh, let's move on into it, man. The history of punk. As it's well for as all you posers out there wearing T-shirts of bands you never listened to.
2: Yeah, that you got a Hot Topic. Gosh, I mean, did, did Hot Topic? I don't think Hot Topic ruined ruined punk rock because punk rock's still alive and well. It you know, is. As long as Tim Armstrong's still making records and Mike Ness of Social Distortion is still making records, then I think punk rock's
1: doing pretty damn good, you know? I do too. I didn't, I didn't realize this. I was thinking about it because, uh, oh, the Black Flag song. Uh, rise Above? Not Rise Above. Uh, nervous Breakdown? Nervous Breakdown. Yes. The first time I heard Black Flag was on a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater when mm-hmm. I was like 12 years old. Yeah. And I love that song. Yeah, and like it's a it's a skateboard game. So you're gonna have punk rock on it. That's yeah, yeah, predominantly yeah. all it was. Yeah, and I remember that was some of my early, earliest uh, memories of like listening to punk rock, and that uh the Sex Pistols. Never mm-hmm. mind the Bollocks. That yeah. album, it was crazy. I was I was going through uh, some of the punk I did know, and uh, I think it was me and Cobb. And I played, a, it was a song that you had uh, sent me uh, um, right after I, the, the uh, you sent me the punk song by the Beastie Boys. Yes, Egg Raid on Mojo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you sent uh, Never Mind the Ballet Sex Pistols at the Bodies. Yes, that's one of my favorite sex pistols. That, that pistol was on songs. Guitar Hero. What bodies was? And that it's a song about abortion—that's
0: that, <laughs> that, crazy.
1: That introduced a lot of people to the Sex Pistols. Hmm. Because, like, right when I played that song, he was like, "I used to rock that song, Guitar Hero." And I was like, "That is crazy to wow. me." So, thank yeah. you, Guitar Hero.
2: Yes. Yeah, I sent uh, I sent out a playlist on Spotify um, after a conversation we had a couple nights ago. Some of my the stuff that I grew up on. Um, just so he can kind of familiarize himself, and he, you said that you had, right, you had already, you knew half of it at least. So, mm-hmm. well, that's a good thing. So, you're, you're,
1: you know, with me, um, like punk is a, a genre that sometimes is, especially today, it's it's kind of hard to tell punk rock from a different genre now. Like, uh,
2: I don't, or I from didn't... for from pop,
1: yes, in a, in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah. because
2: you have bands. You know, I said I wasn't going to bring them up, but I mean, you have bands like Green Day mm-hmm. who started out as a punk rock band, uh, you know, because Billy Joe mm-hmm. is cousins with Tim Armstrong from Rancid, okay. so who has lived homeless and lived a punk rock lifestyle. Billy Joe, I don't think, ever has, but now Green Day's on Broadway, and I just think that is the furthest from punk rock you could ever be. I mean, you know, give the guys props for wanting to make some money and, you know, have money to support their families and not have to worry about Mm -hmm. shit i understand that but you know you've kind of taken away any integrity that green day ever had for all of us you know fans of kerplunk and you know the first two albums before dookie came out and then dookie was a solid fucking record that was
1: that was a drop off dookie is a it was a heavily inspirational album for a lot of people
2: yeah yeah and i mean nimrod and nimrod was that them was yep. that Weezer? Okay.
1: <laughs> that Nimrod thing? was, and then you had uh, off that Dookie album. Uh, there was another track off of that that was just—it was a banger.
2: She—that's
1: a great freaking uh-huh. song, you know. Basket Case—I
2: mean, there's some good, good
1: oh, songs on basket that. Basket Case—you remind me of the end of the third quarter at Bryant Denny, because that the Million Dollar Band always yeah. plays that song. <laughs> Our old family goes nuts over that song. It's like in the third quarter, boys. <laughs> Roll Tide. You got that right. Yeah, but just from the very beginning, would you say uh, Black Flag and Rollins is that the is that the the beginning? I mean, there's
2: there's so many different uh, opinions of when punk started, where punk began. Um, there was a uh, an all African American punk band um, called Death. That uh, there's a documentary on Netflix. I think it is. Um, a lot of people say that they started punk rock. Um, Back in like the early 70s -hmm. Um, But then you look back into You know was it I guess the big discussion as far as punk rock's Concerned was did the Sex Pistols start it Or did the Ramones start it And then you hear the people who say well the Sex Pistols Were at the very first Ramones concert And Johnny Rotten and Sid Vicious Never came to New York To watch the Ramones at CBGB you know, before they started their band, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just this big, you know, where did it actually start? I don't know. I mean, MC five was around for a long time. The song kick out the jams.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, those track. guys.
2: Yeah. I think I put that on your playlist it was on and, it. and there's really cool too. If you go to the, um, pump up the volume, a movie years ago, not anything like the, what is it? CNC, uh, music factory song or whatever, but it's a, it's a, a movie with, um, Christian Slater and he plays a a ham radio operator or you know he does this little show he calls himself Happy Harry on. and um, he's just a high school student and he started anyways on the soundtrack there is Henry Rollins doing uh, Kick Out the Jams which is pretty phenomenal with Bad Brains which yes which is uh, that's a spectacular track but I mean there's I don't really know where punk rock started I mean you know did you know what what would they say uh, I mean Shit, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, where Yeah, I, I was man.
1: thinking like maybe as far as like the world, I would probably say the UK definitely.
2: I, um, yeah, I mean, there's different. There's a difference, I guess. I mean, in, in punk rock ideology in in the UK, because you had the Clash and in yeah, you had the, you had the Clash, you had Sex Pistols, Ramones. All these bands kind of started getting things started, you know. But then you had even earlier than that, you had you know you had Iggy and the Stooges come out about that yeah. time, you know. You had. Um, Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers, um, you know, and you can really look back at bands like The Runaways, you know, a band that featured uh, Joan Jett and Lita Ford, you know, huge 80s superstars. Oh, yeah. But I mean, you listen to The Runaways, that first record is kind of a punk punk rock and roll record, you know, kind of like a social distortion kind of thing, you know, so I don't know where it started. I mean, it started and I know where I got my start in it. Um, never mind the bollocks. Never mind the bollocks. Here's the sex pistols. I've told the story before. I'll I'll tell the give the Cliff's Notes version. My cousin. I was listening to this band called Vinnie Vincent Invasion. Vinny Vincent played guitar, took uh, Ace Frehley's um, uh, spot for a little while, and in in uh, Kiss. But I had this thing and I went to my cousin and I he was like, Man, I really love that Vinnie Vincent tape. Would you trade me something for it? And I said, yeah. yeah. There's a tape in your console and there was no case. It was just the all I saw was never mind the bollocks, here's the sex pistols. And my, you know, 13, 14 year old ass was like, Oh my gosh, the sex pistols? Yeah. Holy crap. So, this is everything. Yeah. So and it changed my world. It changed how I listened to music, you know. And then from there I moved on to like social distortion, bad brains. You know, just kind of the, the, the everything, in the Misfits, yeah. probably one of the most in, influential in my
1: life was yeah. the Misfits. I mean, and you've already brought up Tick and Time Bomb, man, uh, with, with uh, Armstrong. Yep, yep. Um,
2: Tim, Tim, Time Bomb is what yeah, it goes time by. Time Bomb, yeah, yeah,
1: that's it. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> man, just thinking about like today, one of my favorite bands uh, to listen to is uh, The Interrupters. Yes. What I did like about this, okay, we're gonna we'll break off right there. We'll go right back to the well, interrupters. Uh, so now we're switching beers, y'all.
2: Yeah. And I said y'all on the on the, the podcast. It's not on the radio.
1: Oh, you can't. Okay, yeah, that makes sense.
2: I don't try to say y'all ever, but I do it. Ooh, I can't deny my southern roots.
1: You know what's sexy about this? Sixteen ounces of freedom.
2: I think that deserves another Roll Tide, doesn't it?
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right. So now we're back. We're still on SoPro, um, Southern Prohibition Brewing Company, the Paradise Lost Double Dry Hopped IPA. Um, I like the, I eight, like the, the eight, art there they got going. 8% ABB. Oh, they artists. Whoever does their artwork, the Mississippi Fire Ant is probably the coolest can art I've ever seen ever. Okay, yeah, I know yeah, what, I know what yeah. you're telling but They used to serve it then at the Princess. Yep, yep. Imperial Red Ale. That's a phenomenal beer. So, I don't think I've had the Paradise Lost. Um, it's a play on because their regular IPA is. It's got the same girl on the cover. Oh shit! I can't remember. We've had it on, on the show before. Crowd control,
1: is yes. their regular IPA. Yeah. That yeah, I almost bought that, and yeah. then I saw that this was a double, and I was like what's well, up the Annie, row tide. Woo! <clears throat> How it was? It was awesome.
2: It's going to continue to be awesome. Um, very very hoppy. I mean they Ooh, did. we
1: going go go ahead and tell you it's a four.
2: Yeah, they did. Uh, maybe a this four is, and a half. This may be a four and a half. Yeah. Um, they did a great job. I don't know what kind of hops they used. I don't know that. They put some eyeballs on it. There you go. Um, maybe it's a double dry hopping that. Oh man, it is phenomenal though. <clears throat>
1: That aftertaste? I mean,
2: well, that oh, yeah, aftertaste is good they too. They don't say shit um,
0: about the hop.
2: Yeah, I don't know. A little Simcoe in there because it tastes a little dank, but I mean, that is a solid double IPA right there, my brother. Not too boozy because, you know, sometimes you get into the double IPAs, it gets a little boozy. Uh, maybe the dry hopping kills a little bit of that booze flavor, but.
1: Whatever they did, they did it right. I'm mm-hmm. for this. Yeah, I ain't mad at it. 100%. <laughs> So and that was that was by accident, man. I didn't even realize that both of them were Southern Prohibition. Oh, I knew not, that this yeah. one was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I said, coconut they usually have a pretty good selection, but the parish was down this time around. Oh, you can enough. usually find some stuff.
2: Yeah. I well, River Hill they've they've just quit carrying parish altogether. I wonder I mean, why that is. I don't know, man. Because I bought every. I wonder if
1: their distributor got dropped here.
2: Uh, maybe so. I mean, I dropped every. Or I I bought every fourteen dollar, you know, six pack of. Uh, Ghost the Machine I could, you know. Was it six pack or four pack? It was fours, man. Four, yeah, it was like fourteen damn dollars. Yeah. Yeah. But I well, man I ate it up. And they but... did bloom at one time too, and I took the bloom and That is did... so hard to find now. Yes, oh I love the bloom. But man, I'm I'm <clears throat> I'm loving this Paradise Lost.
1: I'll have it again. That is fun.
2: Yeah, we got another one in there. But 16 tell you ounces this of freedom is, uh... as you
1: said. <laughs> I wouldn't buy it all the time. It was eighteen bucks. For a four pack, yeah, at least it's sixteen ounces. But yeah, still. Shit and you fire, think Barney. you know twelve ounce with Ghosts
2: is fourteen. But yeah, I'm drinking a little quick. It's too good.
1: <laughs> Savers eighteen. I know for real.
2: <laughs> All right. So you were talking about we were talking about um, Tim Armstrong. Yeah, Tim. And Armstrong. And then you then you mentioned um, the, interrupters. the Interrupters. Of course, the Interrupters signed to uh, Tim Armstrong's label Hellcat. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's kind of strange too if you think about Tim Armstrong's ex-wife is Brody who's now married to Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age but his ex-wife was in a band called the Distillers and may still be in the Distillers she sounds an
1: awful lot like Amy
2: exactly I thought it was Amy Tim, I, I did too I had to go and Google and get to when I first heard the Interrupters I thought oh man Brody's back with a ska band you know yeah but totally, I mean, Amy Interrupters on her own sounding just like Brody. It's kind of funny that he signed a, another woman that sounds just like his ex-wife. Yeah, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah that was definitely man. wild. When I heard the Distillers today, when it come on the playlist, I was like, is this Amy? And then, like you, I had to Google, and I was like, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, man, I mean, everything Hellcat puts out. Almost everything. There's been some crazy stuff. He gets into a lot of the... A lot of the reggae ska stuff that's kind of I don't know too much horns for me, and I never usually say too much horns. Mm-hmm. But there have been a few bands that he signed that I'm kind, of kind of like man, eh, but I'll listen to it because it's Hellcat and it's going to be solid. It's going to be good, you know. But uh, the Interrupter is definitely one of the best signs he ever had, in definitely. my opinion. Um, I mean, along with his band Rancid, and shit. Yeah, but yeah. I mean to go to look at like you know Mustard Plug and. Um, uh, of course, I'm going to draw a blank completely when we start talking about Ska because Ska, I just really, you know, I've always kind of like dug the, like the slackers and, um, you know, like Desmond Decker, stuff like that. I've always kind of got into that, but then the Ska Punk thing, I never really was a big fan of. You know, Bucko 9 is another one. it be like
1: Sublime,
2: uh, maybe? <clears throat> uh, Sublime this is a Ska Punk band. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, but like, I never really got into it as much. Sublime made me like them but they didn't make me like Scott punk. Um, the interrupters record uh, fight the good fight when that came out two years ago. And we've Mm -hmm. talked about that probably at least 10 times on this show. Um, but it it definitely, they made me go, okay. So now I've got a Scott playlist on my, (laughs) on my Spotify, you know, um, I really delved in there and kind of got some of those other bands. A nine is, is one that I remember from years ago. And, you know, like I said, mustard plug, um, and just completely drawn a blank on all the rest of them but there's so many different genres of punk rock yeah you know my favorite probably like the street punk the, the uh, skate punk and hardcore punk um, probably my favorites but then you got everything from like horror punk to gutter punk to queer core to you know horror the punk the uh, I don't know. I don't know, really know much about the queercore genre. Uh, the queers, I think that's just their name. So, it, um, and they had a few songs that kind of you know, alluded to it? that. No, that would just be punk rock. Um, I don't know what version of punk rock it is. It's kind of like the way you have the Americana umbrella, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and there are so many different little genres up under it. You know, and it's just like I mean, really, all in all, punk it's you it's, punk. It's, punk is punk. You know, um, I mean, it's just it's fast it's um it's it tends to be political um you know you're fighting against something typically in punk rock that's where punk rock got its roots when you had the Sex Pistols the Sex Pistols were fighting against the monarchy. You know, the Ramones, they listened to a lot of 50s music and they weren't really fighting against shit, but they wrote catchy damn tunes that were really quick, short, sweet, to the point. Yeah. You know, and it was just basically mixing 50s rock and roll with punk rock. Yeah. You know, I mean, everybody kind of does their own thing. You Like, one of my favorite bands, and I actually have their dragon tattooed on my arm, sick of it all, hardcore punk band um, out of New York City, just freaking hitting straight to the heart. They got a lot of songs about feelings and love and shit like that but you got to kind of read into it you know it's about things that go on in their lives but yeah there's so many different genres of punk rock and that's the cool like exciting thing to me is that they're they're there's so like every time you listen to a punk record say if you take a collection of punk rock from the 70s and 80s and you put it all out here on the table you've got everything from like the very political um dead kennedy's to say the the goofy shit from the dead milkmen. Mm-hmm. To even I mean, I think in some way, shape and form that the violent films at one point, especially their debut album, was a kind of a punk record, you know?
0: Ooh.
2: I'll go as far as to say it. There's an acoustic punk genre. So, you know, and then you, you take it back to like the hardcore punk of like Sick of It All and the ag- Agnostic Front and the Crow Mags and that whole New York scene up there. And you got your D C hardcore punk stuff like um, uh, <clears throat> S.O.D., which is where um, um, Henry Rollins got his start because mm-hmm. he's a D.C. boy, uh, Minor Threat, Fugazi, um, all those guys from the D.C. area. Then you got your L.A., you, your Orange County scene with stuff people like D.I. and uh, T.S.O.L., which T.S.O.L. didn't, it was, I don't know what they call it, goth punk maybe, I don't know Hi. what their genre is. Okay, I'm, I'm, So
1: those two bands right there were in the movie Suburbia, which you sent yes. to
2: me. Yes, I sent you the YouTube link. And all right, so let me tell everybody this: Watch the movie *Suburbia* 1984. Not,
1: 1984,
2: not the 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 92 or 96. yeah, the, yeah, not that that shit that they made in the 90s. There's another movie called *Suburbia*, but watch the one. Um, did you notice one of the main stars? Who he was? Uh, He's uh, the the little fella that was.
0: Um, oh yeah, he always
2: had the rat. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Who yeah. was that?
1: Was uh, he's a punker, ain't he?
2: Mm, well, he's a funk'er. Yeah, there was Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers was in the movie. That was Flea. That was Flea. <laughs> yes. That, no, I see it because yes, like, that you, was you Flea. You had
1: mentioned you, 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 know, you told me after I watched it, you was like, I got a lot to say about the cast, and I was like, well, I'm not even, yeah, I'm yeah. not even gonna Google it
2: because the guy who the guy who played Joe Schmo, he started up a, a really cool punk band called uh, the U.S. Bombs. Who were signed at least? I think at one time to uh, Epitaph Records. I don't know if they still are. I don't know if they're still a band or not. Yeah, there's so much cool about that movie. It was directed by Penelope Spiras, who knows a lot about the punk rock genre. But she got like normal everyday people that she just knew and hung around with to act in this movie. Yeah. And portray street punks. You know, they lived in a housing project that was shut down. Mm-hmm. You know, they were squatters essentially. Um, and they like to go out and and, and the, there's a whole big story that goes along with it, uh, like an end drama and all that stuff, you know, where somebody gets killed or whatever, but they go and you get to experience the early years of D.I., mm-hmm. um, who's one of my favorite, you know, Casey Royer um, and those guys just, I mean, Casey Royer has always been one of my favorite punk vocalists because he doesn't sound like a punk rocker, you know what I mean? He's kind of, I guess he does, but he's got a different sounding voice. Right. Um Right, and then
1: typically with, I mean, just take that playlist. It's like the way everything was uh, nuanced, the way it was sang, it's pretty much all the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that they are very unique in that regard because they, they don't. He doesn't.
2: Yes, yes. And then, then you get introduced in the movie to the Vandals, who are still around, still making music, um, still a, a great punk band. Their sound has changed dramatically. They're more of a, a progressive um, I wouldn't say pop punk, but they're very melodic punk rock now, whereas they didn't start out that way. And then you got one of my all-time favorite punk rock bands, TSOL. Mm-hmm. And like I remember, and I don't know if you remember, the um, Sweet Child of Mine video by Guns N' Roses. Okay. Stephen Adler, the drummer, was wearing a TSOL shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and so... But the TSOL that he was wearing on his shirt, that was at the time when Jack Grisham, the lead vocalist for TSOL, was not in the band. But Jack Grisham, I think, kind of makes it. So, I mean, I still like the that one record, Hit and Run, or whatever it was called. And I think they had another one after that. But um, but TSOL, they're kind of a gothic punk band. They were one of the few punk bands that incorporated, um, like, a, a keyboard into their music. Nice. Yes. So, I mean, there's, there's so many different kinds of bands you have like um a band called the uh, x-ray specs um i can't remember her name the lead vocalist styrene was her last name i think um but x-ray specs they did a song called oh bondage up yours did i put that on the on your little list that i made you
0: Dude, was a, there was a lot of songs on it. You probably a, didn't have a lot of time to listen to. Nah, it, I mean,
2: but,
1: I went through it almost twice today. Yeah, but it's okay. just
2: like I probably didn't put "Oh Bondage Up Yours" on there. But I mean, they they incorporated a, a saxophone in theirs. You know, there's oh, nice. it's just like that's punk rock. You know, it's just an attitude. It's like <clears throat> I don't think it really necessarily has to be aggressive, fast, political. It just has to have an attitude, and you've got to have a message that you're trying to portray. Uh-huh. I think that makes it punk rock. You know. Um, Because, you know, I don't subscribe to the philosophy that Blondie and the Talking Heads started punk rock. I don't either. I just, I don't... I mean, there's a new wave, but I don't think it's new wave punk rock, you know? I just never bought into that whole deal. But, I mean, I like those bands. I do too. I have nothing against them, but I just don't consider them punk bands. But, I'm the same guy that sits here and goes, why the hell is Madonna and Notorious B.I.G. in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when they didn't play rock and roll music, but... They had that rock and roll attitude, somebody explained to me one time. So I was like, okay, I'll give it to you. I mean, I like Madonna, and I like uh, Notorious B.I.G., But it's not rock and roll. It's not rock and roll. It's not what I think about rock and roll. It's like when I listen to, when I think about country music, I think about Waylon Jennings and Johnny Cash, I don't think about Luke Bryan and Blake Shelton.
0: No.
2: You know? No. I just, I mean, I understand that's what it is. It's just the newest version of that. But, I mean, there's nothing about Notorious B.I.G. that was ever, he never picked up a guitar and, you know, screamed into a microphone with some drums behind him, you know what I mean? But he had a rock and roll attitude. I got it, you know? Tupac, I miss one of my favorite rappers. Is he in there? I don't even know if he's Couldn't in the say. Rock and Hall of Fame. He needs to damn be. Because I love ar- me some Tupac. <laughs>
1: Wouldn't argue with that. <laughs> uh, just as far as, like, my punk rock preferences is, uh, I've always been heavy in the U.K., Clash is my favorite. Yes. Period. Yeah. Like every time a Clash song comes on the radio or however it comes up. Yeah. I about to lose my shit. I mean, see,
2: that's that's another example of um, that's another example of how punk rock the, the different genres because the Clash is kind of their own thing. They've got some. Typical punk songs. They incorporated a lot of uh, a lot of reggae in there. They did a lot of dub samples and stuff like that. You know, especially when uh, what's his name got off and did big audio dynamite and stuff. You know, still a punk rock attitude there. I mean, I, I mean, oh sorry, I bumped the the uh, microphone. There's um, still that punk rock attitude there, and I mean, the Clash definitely one of the originators. But that's what makes punk rock so cool. Yeah, you know, because you could take a big vat and put in the Clash and the Sex Pistols and the Dead Milkmen and mm-hmm. Dead Kennedys. You know what I mean? And that's a
1: wide variety. That's man. a wide variety of all. all
2: different kind of sounds. And then throw in Violent Films as well and consider them punk rock. You so that's know? what
1: gets me. It's like I never would have thought Violent Films.
2: But listen to that first record. Okay. Listen to that first record. They're playing acoustic guitars and acoustic instruments but they are Punk. Playing... They've got that. I, I think so. The I'm just, attitude. I mean, you may get a lot of comments on this uh, this this podcast. Is like, what the fuck is Monk talking about? But <laughs> it's just my opinion. Like, I, I don't consider Blondie to be a, a punk band, but they were originators because they were the first ones to incorporate a rap inside of a pop song, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if Sugar Hill Gang did it before them, but Heart of Glass, <coughs> and they they uh, they did that. So I mean, I, they they're originators. They're a good band too. I love me some
1: Blondie, but look at SOA there.
2: Yes, we we're just talking about SOA. Yeah, listen. To Henry them. Rollins stand, stood for State of Emergency of alert sorry state of alert
1: that would be soe sorry where did the a come from
2: so yeah if you guys get a chance like i bought it this book when it first came out so it's massive it's like a coffee table book and it sits on my coffee table but there's a smaller uh version like a you know what i mean like not as big gigantic but i love it man because it covers everything and i every time i open this thing up and i've looked from cover to cover, I've not read everything, but I look every time and I find like another, like Fishbone. Yeah. Dadgummit, Angelo Moore and a Fishbone. Good gracious. I all those guys at Lollapalooza back in 93, I think it was. 92. They were there at 92 because the rest of the development was the rap band. I mean, Motorhead, even in the punk rock book. All right, so I will squash what I just said because I saw a minute ago. Violent Films is not in the Encyclopedia of Punk, so maybe that's just me. Because when we used to skateboard, yeah, typically it was like the Dead Milkmen, the Misfits, Suicidal Tendencies, uh, Black Flag, um, Circle Jerks, and Violent Films. It was like it just uh, that's why I guess my brain goes back to considering Violent Films a punk band. Yeah, you know, right at first. Definitely not now. Because I don't know their last record um, Last Stop Resort or whatever it was called um, it really was not that good Yeah, I didn't it was like honestly it. one of the worst records of last year that I'd heard Ooh, to that point tough. I'm sorry and I love me some, some Greg uh, Guano or whatever his name is yeah so yeah there you go I said it honest
1: alright so as far as American Punk Rock it goes back to those Tony Hawk and it was the first time I was introduced to Rise Against which is one of my all time favorite bands Yep, and i I probably never talked about them once on this show, yeah, but uh give it all first rise against mm-hmm. someone i ever heard mm-hmm. heard of that next day, man. We were at f y e here in Columbus at the mall, remember yeah, back yeah, when we yeah. had a music store, yeah, and um I bought everything that they had of theirs there, and um man, just through the years, solid, every album they put out, I can yeah. almost go start to finish, mm-hmm. It's solid. Yeah, they're a great punk band. Huge fan of Tim. I
2: mean, I don't know what you would call that, right? Maybe like vegan punk because they're all vegans. So yeah. <laughs> that'd be like some kind of new new genre called yeah. vegan punk. But I mean, they're you know, I mean, they are political. They're extremely. Um, but uh, I mean, shit, I love and I love his voice. Yeah, his voice is the standout. You know, that's what makes them stand out from every other punk band is his voice and the songwriting and the musicianship because those guys are it's kind of metal punk in a sense in in a lot of ways. Not like it can be not heavy. like corn metal. Mm-hmm. Not not saying that, yeah. but it's like a harder kind of metal sometimes.
1: Yeah. Uh I would say the album, uh, the Give It All album was very yeah. metal yeah, 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 punk. Yeah. yeah. If you want to say so that. So the satellites
2: or something, something, something Satellite right?
1: was the latest album though. Oh, was it? Yeah. Hmm, okay. That's that's a newer track. Yeah, Okay. Uh, shit
2: I don't know I mean I just know like what we've played on the radio and what I've like listened to you know on my own you just kind of random let's play Rise Against
1: kind of thing you know
2: mm-hmm. um, yeah I love those guys absolutely love yeah.
1: them yeah uh, Prayer of the Refugee that that, uh, that entire album it had uh...
2: now, I'm gonna have to refer to my to my uh, Spotify for this man because there's one song those guys do that's acoustic that almost like just stops me I have to listen to it like four or five times um and i don't know the name of it rise against here we go the song hero of war yep oh my god that song man oh yeah savior that's another good one but hero that's all that's
1: all the same album that album was a damn banger man man
2: shit that hero of war song man that like makes you almost weep you know it's about a soldier yeah and it's like
1: taking life and like she had a white flag Yep. But it was covered in red. Yep. Oh man, such and, a phenomenal track. And it was talking about the the Iraq Wars, you know.
2: Yep. Yeah. So definitely, listening to this podcast, check out "Hero of War" by Rise Against. I Me. Mean, um, it's an acoustic song, very melodic, but it is uh, definitely a punk
1: song. Reeducation is my all time favorite song by them. Yeah. We crawl on our knees for you. <laughs> yes. That, that song went hard. Yeah, Savior that, for sure, one of my favorites. I when song came out.
2: <laughs> yeah, like... Oh, no, I'm sorry. We're not supposed to be playing music on... Appeal to Reason was the record that yes. I think I spent more time with. Yeah, um, I think
1: that's their best one to me.
2: Yeah, man. I mean, Re-Education's on there. Um, Hero of War, Savior's on there. Yeah, it's a fucking phenomenal record. All right, cool. Yeah. All
1: right, now... Oh, let's no. go... Two, Black Flag. Oh, yes. All right, Black Flag time.
2: And it's kind of funny because um, one of the the main vocalists that I think everybody knows of Black Flag is Henry Rollins, and Henry Rollins has never drank a beer. <laughs> he has never smoked a joint. He's never smoked a cigarette. You know, he came from D.C. He came from, you know, he and Ian MacKay of uh, Fugazi and Teen Idols and uh, Egg Hunt and minor threat. I mean, Ian MacKay is straight edge and You
1: know what brought this episode about? What's that? Was your Instagram post.
2: Oh, about <laughs> <laughs> So the Instagram post and you guys can follow me if you want at Monk on the Radio on Instagram. But I posted a photo of Henry Rollins and Ian McKay.
1: Right when I saw that, and I saw the little subtitle. And yeah, and like, they're
2: both, like, they got their bald heads going, you know, or balding heads. It says, uh, punk rock is not dead. It is, however, graying, balding, and going to bed at a more reasonable hour. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because that's me. I mean, I yeah. fall asleep on
1: the damn couch at 9.30 at night, you know? And right when I saw <laughs> Rollins and McKay, and I was like, how yep. the hell have me and Monk not talked about
2: this? Yes. So, yes. So, there you go. So Black Flag, man, that's where we're going, right? Yeah. All right. So Black Flag. So I have, I think, three bands that that influenced me in in when I was a, a teenager that kind of uh, led me, I guess. Um, three bands that would be Bad Brains, Sex Pistols, Sex Pistols, and Black Flag. Um, with no, I'm sorry, no, no, I'm sorry. Sex Pistols did not. They were not in there. It would be Bad Brains. Black Flag and probably the Misfits. Okay. Because I believed in the Misfits, but I will give, you know, uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, credit to um, Suicidal Tendencies, Sex Pistols. Um, there's tons of other bands TSOL, DI, you know, all this stuff. Anyways, um, the Black Flag. Black Flag to me is the coolest of the punk rock bands because they are. Their history spans such a long period of time because they're still together making music right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Vallely, who was a, a one of my favorite skaters growing up, um, he had he always had, I think he skated for uh, uh, Powell Peralta, and he always had an elephant on his skateboard. And he at the time, he was completely shaven. His head was. And there's a video, if you go to YouTube and look up Mike Vallely, it's V-A-L-L-E-L-Y. Okay. And there's a photo of him standing by this big pickup truck and these um, jocks start fucking with him. It's on, caught on like a security camera. So he just pulls his shirt off and whoops every one of them's ass. <laughs> I mean, just straight up whoops their ass. But he's the new lead singer for Black Flag. But thinking back to like when Black Flag got started, Keith Morris, who eventually went to to start uh, Circle Jerks and a band, a really phenomenal band called Off... Um, he was the original lead singer. We got to talk about that. Okay. We'll talk we'll, about we'll, that. We'll get there. Okay. Um, and then, you know, you go on to um, Rob Reyes, who is one of my favorite Black Flag vocalists. Probably even, I like his version of Black Flag probably the best. And then you've got Henry Rollins. You've got Mike Valeli. You've got, I mean, so many different singers. You've got, like, I think, uh, what, Kira played bass with him, the only female to ever be with Black Flag. Robo and Dez two of the current members of the misfits with Jerry Only they were you know at one point two members cuz uh Robo was the original drummer for the misfits but played spent time over there um freaking Chuck Biscuits who ended up playing with Danzig was a member and it's like it's just
1: the, the the I guess the pedigree of and, black flag and the branch like i mean Yes the family tree of black flag yeah. is freaking crazy because and like that's the thing about it like anytime i see a black flag t-shirt i immediately want to approach that person and i was like yeah now you, let's let's talk about this
2: yes tell me a little something about black flag yeah because <laughs> you see i've seen some black flag t-shirts and i actually have never owned a black flag t-shirt me neither. i've never owned a misfits t-shirt
1: me neither. i don't i don't own any punk rocker t-shirts
2: hmm, i don't either i have owned plenty i had a
1: hat once i Did think it you? was a misfit hat
2: yeah I've got misfit stuff because I was lucky enough to see the misfits um, in Columbus, Mississippi my, my the town I grew up in shitty place to grow up nothing ever happened in fucking Columbus, Mississippi we had come this on gi- now be we friendly had this, to the friendly we, had this, we had this gigantic you know, nothing wrong with the city but at the time when I was growing up in the, the, late 80, or the late 80s early 90s there was nothing going on in Columbus so they had this theater the Princess Theater the coolest thing that ever happened at the Princess Theater was Blind Melon came and played because, you know, to, uh, one of the members is from Columbus. Two of them are from West, West Point. Point. So that was really cool. But when I was living in in uh, McCullough or outside of Birmingham and, and between Birmingham and Tuscaloosa, um, we came back here to see the Misfits play at the Princess Theater. And I was completely blown away. Cause, and then I got a Misfits skull, like a mask, yeah. you know, that you wear. And I got Robo, the original drummer for the Misfits. He signed it as did Des Cantina or Can- Candina, who was one of the, uh, uh, one of the guys in black flag at one point. Mm-hmm. And then Jerry only, who was the original bass player for the misfit. So it was really cool to get all that signed. but black flag to me, they kind of embody what I think of. And it's, and it's, you know, it's, it's California punk, mm. which is different from New York punk and different DC from, punk. you know, DC punk and Chicago punk and Detroit and, and England. Um, but I think they kind of embody, as far as I'm concerned, the punk rock sound.
1: That's the thing about it. And like it's, that's it's,
2: I base I base punk rock off of. All right, how how much do they sound like Black Flag?
1: That's the thing. That that's exactly that is that that's the standard.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's where my bar is set.
1: And that's what's Black crazy Flag. is like the name Black Flag is like literally like that is exactly the the symbol you know. Yeah. It's like. Well, do, do, you meet, do you meet that bar?
2: Yep, yep. And see, that was the whole deal because uh, Henry Rollins was in D.C. hanging out with Ian McKay. He was in a band called SOA, um, State of Alert. And he, so Black Flag came and played D.C., and I forget who the, the, I think maybe it was Rob Reyes at the time. Um, I think he was the second vocalist and then and Rollins followed him. Well, Rob Reyes, they came and they played. And Henry Rollins uh, got in touch with Greg Jen, the guitar player and the founding member of, the, of Black Flag. He got in touch with him and he says, hey man, can I um, can I sing a song with you guys when you, when you tonight? And he was like, sure. So they let him sing a song. And so then they go on back and make their way back to Los Angeles. Well, Rob Reyes leaves the band. They call Henry Rollins, <laughs> and Henry Rollins goes over to Ian McKay's house, the uh, the Discord house. there in D.C. And he's like, "Hey man, I just got this offer to go and play with Black Flag." And the m- thing that excited him the most was not only that it was Black Flag, but the, they were one of the few punk bands at the times who actually had a logo. Yeah, everybody else was just you know scribbling their name on a on a handwritten flyer, you know. But Black Flag had a logo that they used. And Ian MacKay was like, man, you'd be stupid not to. And he packed up, moved to Los Angeles, became a member of Black Flag. And, you know, that's when Black Flag songs became a little longer. But, I mean, Henry did everything he could inside those songs to make it meaningful.
1: And also, like, that was, it was a clash of West Coast versus East Coast, right? I guess in a to, sense. In a, in, a touch. in a
2: sense. Yeah, 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 yeah a a, a skoosh, as they yeah. say you know yeah i guess it was um because you got to see kind of a different a different attitude between the two versions of punk rock because SOA sounds a lot different than black flag ever Absolutely. did and when henry came to, to town what he brought was more of a more of a rock and roll kind of maybe even metal kind of almost a, a hardcore um lean to black flag Whereas they had always been just straight up SoCal punk, you know. Now they've got a little more, um, a little more hard rock in them. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I, if you go and you listen to like the the first couple um, EPs or records from, and I don't think I don't even know if, if Black Flag even put out a, a full length record before Rollins got into the band, you know. But that Rise Above record, just a phenomenal freaking. I mean, all that stuff that he did when he got there, and then hell, I don't even know who was after him, but. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. Like, that was one of the coolest unions, I think, in, in all of music. Um, and then when, of course, when Sid Vicious joined the Sex Pistols. You know, but Sid Vicious, as everybody can, you know, everybody tells the story, Sid Vicious was not a bass player. He was basically thrown into this band who was made up by Malcolm McLaren. He was thrown into this band to kind of shock people. Yeah. You know, because Sid didn't really know how to play bass guitar. Um, Steve Jones, the guitar player for the Sex Pistols, um, who people have said, or one article I read, somebody had said that he was one of the best guitar players they had ever worked with. He's one of the tightest guitar players they've ever worked with. Well, he did the bass lines, as far as I remember hearing, on Nevermind the Bollocks or the Sex Pistols. It was not Sid Vicious, because at that point, Glenn Matlock was out of the band. Mm-hmm. Glenn Matlock was just a, just some guy, random guy, that hung around the shop that Malcolm McLaren owned called Sex and so that's where the sex pistols comes from
1: now we're here for we're here for uh for the education of folks and so Sid vicious Rollins Mackay are names that get thrown around in the punk rock scene yep so who was Sid vicious like why is that Sid vicious why is that iconic
2: all right so how the sex pistols got started Malcolm mclaren he was a um just some some he he knew a lot about promoting uh people he was a promoter um he and uh, some woman, I cannot remember her name, started a little um, S&M sex shop that sold like leather, you know, the mm-hmm. masks and stuff like that, you know, for for S&M people. Called Sex. It was on King's Road in London. And there were a bunch of kids that hung out at the shop all the time. One of those kids was, um, or two of those kids were, um, Steve Jones, who was just a petty thief, and Paul Cook, a drummer. Steve Jones, of course, a guitar player. Um, So he got those guys together and there was another kid that hung around called John Lydon. And John Lydon was, um, Malcolm, when he met him, thought this guy has got the look that I'm looking for, that I want to start this band called the Sex Pistols and I want this guy because his teeth were kind of green. So he got the name Johnny Rotten rather than John Lydon. So, he got the gig. I don't know how Glenn Matlock, the original bass player for the Sex Pistols, got in there, but they did a few gigs. And basically, they were out there to shock. They would play anything. They would play strip clubs. They would play... You know, any kind of house party, whatever you needed them to play, they would play it as long as it wasn't a typical gig. They didn't do, like, I'm going to play this venue. No, we're going to play these little weird ass, you know, we're going to just show up on the street, hook our shit up, and we're going to play to the streets until the police run us out of there.
1: Ain't that punk rock?
2: Yeah. And so then when Glenn Matlock decided to leave the band, because I don't think Glenn Matlock felt like he fit with the band, so he decided to leave. And then. Johnny Rotten had a friend of his, John Simon Ritchie, um, who they eventually named Sid Vicious. He had a friend. He he got into the band, started playing bass. That's when they, they got signed to um, EMI Records. And then within, I think it was 24 hours, EMI Records dropped them. Because when they went, they went to Buckingham Palace to sign their their uh, record deal. Wow. And then they just and just totally tore up the, the offices or whatever. Um, and then they got ended up getting signed to Virgin Records. They put out their record, but, but uh, Sid Vicious came in. Sid Vicious was not a bass player. He was just a friend. He ended up meeting a woman named Nancy.
0: Mm-hmm
2: sponging and Nancy and it was a, was a kind of a, she was like a, a ex, the way I understand it, she was kind of like a whore around the punk rock community. Yeah. She was like trying to get, yeah, she was a roadie just trying to sleep with any musician she possibly can. She finds Sid gets him and then gets him addicted to heroin. And so that's where the bad story of the sex pistols, there's actually a movie <laughs> out called Sid and Nancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you haven't checked that movie out, definitely do that. uh, Gary Oldman plays Sid Vicious. Gary Oldman, one of my favorite actors he does. He is so good at acting that he's on a subway with, can't remember the the woman who played Nancy. Nancy. He's on the subway and he's sick. He's dope sick. Mm -hmm. And he's leaned over and he makes a snot bubble come out of his nose. That is acting, my friends. (laughs) That is the best form. That is a punk rock actor right there. I mean, it, that dude just amazed me in that movie. Just,
1: just back to Suburbia for a second. That was really well done.
2: Yes, very well done. I mean, all those kids were just just punk rock kids just, that just, hung yeah. around Los Angeles, you know, and they ended up getting to be in this movie and and um, it's, I mean, it's one of them It is. It's hard to watch that movie because you almost feel dirty when you get finished. The same as Sid and Nancy, it you does. almost feel dirty when it you're does. done with. it. Does. But it's so freaking real. It's suburbia it's, it's, because that's, that's what I
1: told you is like opening scenes, like first five minutes venturing in. When the dog yeah. happened, yeah. And then even after that, like, okay, where did that what's the point of that? Yeah. Well you see the girl later. But and then it goes to, well, here's something that a lot of American kids relate to is this is part of that punk scene is problems at home. Oh yes,
2: most definitely. Addresses all of that. And even to the part where, like, Joe Schmo finally just gives it up. He gets kicked out of the house, and he comes back, and he puts the TR brand on his arm, you Uh, know? Oh, yeah. I think worth mentioning, too. um, So the kids in the movie, they're a part of a movement, or I guess their little group is called The Rejected. Yeah. So their logo is a T T and an R. So my cousin, years ago in Columbus, Mississippi, um, I played roadie for them, like, when I was like, shit, this was probably early 90s, late 80s. I played roadie for them. They were called TR, the Rejected. And oh man, it was one of the coolest things. I bet it was. Yeah, we had a lot of really cool people in the band. They had a lot of really cool people in the band. I was just the the guy who, who the, the underage guy who would sit up under the back table and drink Southern Comfort with a friend of mine. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and tote their shit around for them, so. There you go. I was paid in SoCo. <laughs> yeah, well I think, oh no, yes, I was paid in, Yes. Somehow.
0: Yeah. What, <laughs> All right. Anything what else
1: with Mackay or Rollins or Black Flag before we talk man, about Off? I think I've covered it, ma'am. But um,
2: Off, with an exclamation point, if you're looking for it. A band started by Keith Morris. I don't know a whole lot about them. I just know their music, mm-hmm. and it's it's one of the mo- like one of my favorite punk bands right now. One of my so it's a plug more than anything yes, yeah, more than anything, yeah, and Keith Morris is just he's always been a solid. you watch any punk rock documentary they're always going to talk to to uh to Keith Morris because Keith Morris was there, he was the original lead singer for black flag he he has been there through it all he's had the circle jerks, you know um, and now off, so
1: I'll tell you this like just one one more thing about Rollins is like uh, I got a tremendous amount of respect for the guy,
2: most definitely, and
1: I've seen him in so many interviews. And are you familiar with Nardwar the Canadian interviewer? No. He like talks to a lot of different musicians. Not. He is the only person I've ever seen that interviewed Rollins and made him laugh and made him open up. Cuz you know how stern he was. Well, you might have
2: to, yes. Yeah, I mean, he's got a sense of humor too if you follow Henry and Heidi on yeah. Instagram. You'll see that he's got a sense of humor, but Yeah, but
1: as far as like for the press, he doesn't yeah. he doesn't care about that. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah,
2: so send me the link for that for sure. We'll do. Yes. We'll watch I'll, it when we get done here. Yeah, I'll definitely check that you, out. You'll
1: like Nardwarp, man, because like his whole getup is like he talks to actors and musicians, mm-hmm. and he always brings them gifts, but the gift is very personal to them. Like If he's talking to a musician, he might give them a, a vinyl of a band that he knows they were influenced by, and he also knows that they don't own it. How he knows that, I don't wow.
2: know. huh. I have to check that out for sure. It's definitely if it's got Rollins
1: involved. It's it's crazy. you you'll be you'll be amazed. He's based out of Vancouver.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, you'll be amazed at who he's talked to and like he just he he mind blows them.
2: Yeah. You know, one thing like that brings to mind, um, Rollins used to have a show, I think it was on IFC years ago called The Rollins Show. Mm-hmm. And he would have like he'd have a sit down guest like he had, you know, Shepherd Shepherd Ferry. the the graffiti artist had him on a show and then he would always have a band like Dinosaur Jr. or you know somebody crazy Throwing Muses or somebody I don't think Throwing Muses was ever on the show but yeah so I need to go back and look and see if those episodes are available I used to love that show yeah and Rollins kind of showed he's a very very intelligent very well read person very educated um, I don't know if like his education goes through college or whatever. And that doesn't. That, know, does, yeah. that doesn't. Yeah. But amount. I mean, but he's very well read. Well read. Well spoken. He knows what the hell he's talking. And about And that's when he the talks thing about things.
1: it is like that's why I always believed that he was so stern and like those are people, you know, I would be gun shy of like even ever wanting or trying to pursue an interview with. It's like. I don't know about that. Yeah, <laughs> I got a tremendous amount of respect, but I've seen how you treat people. You know.
2: Yeah. Well, I see. I had the first, my first experience like that was um, years ago. We had a radio station in Tuscaloosa called Z One Hundred Point Five, and I got the chance to do a phone interview with Frank Black, <laughs> also known as Black Francis from the Pixies. Mm-hmm. And it was probably it was it was one of my First big interviews. I had interviewed like wrestlers and you know members of Leonard Skinner and shit like that before at another radio station. Um, I was at.
1: Don't leave
2: out Deontay Wilder. And Deont, well, Deont- at this point I d- yeah. didn't know who the hell Deontay Wilder well, was. He was.
1: He was still probably working
2: at Waffle House <laughs> or working at the Budweiser place, right. you know. Yeah, so I I ended up uh, interviewing, um, and he made me a better interviewer because. He knew I had my list of questions. Oh, yeah. He knew I was green, didn't know what the hell I was doing. And he never answered one question that I asked him. He would And he was fascinated that my name was Monk. Yeah. So he was like, well, Monk, you know, I really, back in 1985, <laughs> when I was mowing the grass one day, Monk, um, I, um, you know, I decided, hey, I'm going to start a band, Monk. And that's the way the entire interview went. I was so so uncomfortable the entire interview. (laughs) But I mean, he, 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 like, I like to think that, you know, I mean, the guy's got some personality because he played with me, you know, a little bit. But dang, man, it made me a better interviewer when it came down to doing radio interviews later on. You know, if I could interview Frank Black now be completely different thing I think you know (laughs) so I mean I I love I love sitting down and talking with musicians but the anticipation building up to it is almost almost I want to say it's not worth it for me because I get so extremely stressed out but when the microphone cuts on yeah it's like I remember one time the first time I ever interviewed Deontay Wilder and he's on his phone you know he's like He's flipping through his phone and stuff, and we're waiting for a song to end. And the song ends. I cut the microphone on, his phone goes down, he sits up straight, and he becomes like he's you know, in he's tune. he's in tune. Just like me. When that when that microphone opens, it's like we're here. We're doing it, you know. I can I can focus for business. You know, it's like I hate going up on that stage and announcing bands until I get up on stage. When I walk on stage, you know, it it's is. like it's like my my the person I am. And my radio personality changed places Yeah. by the time I get on the stage or that microphone opens, you know. My personality is like, pff, Monk has taken over, has taken over, and he's going to take care of this, you know. I'll tell you this, like, just just over the two years, man, like, Porsche
1: Talk's about to be two years old, man. Yeah.
2: I, dude, Saturday, the 100th
1: episode of Indies Only. Saturday night. How about that? Yep. And we're talking 100 <laughs> Saturdays. Mm-hmm. That's yep. You know, you only get 55 of those a year. Or f- <laughs> yep. You know, 52. Yep. yep. Right. Um, Man, that's... uh, And I, I've been going back. You know, I found uh, that website I was telling you about, like, looking at, like, uh, the best episodes of Poor Socking. Like, I don't yeah. know their algorithms, but uh, they, they base it just solely off of Apple yeah. uh, Podcasts. Gotcha. And uh, I was looking at all that, and then I just went back and listened to some of those old interviews... And I was when like, you first started? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I'll never forget, like, Soren Brass was the first musician, and then, like, moving on from there and, like, learning how to talk to musicians. And, yeah. Like, I consider myself to be one, but, like, what are some questions I could ask you that every other interviewer ever does sure. ask?
2: Sure, sure, sure. Because I'm th-
1: sure you're sick of talking about that.
2: Yes, exactly. I mean, that's the problem that I had working in radio was uh, what I had. I had a a problem with just asking the typical questions yeah. and I think that's when I had that interview with Frank Black he was like nope you gotta do it different bro yeah. you know without yeah. saying it yeah. yeah he taught me you gotta do it different
1: and so like the the growth has been fun and now like you know like Fuzzy Fuzzy's been on the show three times now and like yeah. Fuzzy's in Buffalo and that's the weirdest thing cause like I would preferably never do a phone line interview with you again. Like, uh, uh, never again. Yeah, because we did the first quarantine. It was, yes. And it it, it wasn't the same. Like, I always prefer to be across the table from somebody.
2: Sure. Because I want to
1: see your face. Sure, sure. Phone interviews
2: are difficult.
1: Yeah, because I can't read you. Yep. But the thing about Fuzzy, first time I had him on, it was like, in the first five minutes, it's just like that rare thing where you just, you you both sync up. Sure. And like, there's this sense of, I could only imagine if it was face to face. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we could, we could probably like have the best podcast of all time. I don't know.
2: Well, I will tell you this uh, from experience the only, like, phone interviews are necessary at certain points. Mm -hmm. Never interview a comedian over the phone. Never do it. Oh God, no. I've done it twice and it's absolutely oh, it's, one of the most two of the most miserable experiences I've ever had.
1: <laughs> I imagine imagine it's like acting or like movies, you know, is like dramas or even musicians or even like if I was talking with a friend over the phone. Yeah. That's okay. But like to me comedy it has to be in person because I have to have my cues. Yes, you have I, I, to I need to know when I should laugh and when I should pause. And
2: they have to be able to read you as well because yeah. that's what they do with the crowd yeah. a lot of times as they read the crowd to know what to do next or, you know, where to go from here yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Cuz I interviewed James Gregory, they call him he calls himself the funniest man in America. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking. One about. of the worst interviews I ever did <laughs> in my job. You know two of the best interviews I ever did as we have completely got off talking about punk rock, but two of the best interviews I ever did. Mm. Wrestlers, because they, in what they they know how to do, entertain. they are actors. So that's... I interviewed Diamond Dallas Page and Triple H.
1: That's dope.
2: Two of the best interviews
1: I've ever done ever. I don't, I don't <laughs> doubt it. I got a buddy of mine in Kennedy. He is the biggest wrestling fan. Yeah, I, I didn't. I never watched wrestling. I didn't watch a lot of TV growing up. My mom really didn't allow a lot of it. But, yeah, um, that's
2: a good thing, dude.
1: But. Um, you know, like in elementary and middle school and high school, like if you are a wrestling fan, you were sh- Don't you know that's fake? But the thing about wrestling that you never ask a wrestling fan is, do you know it's fake? And they'll tell you, yes. They're not watching it because they yeah, think it's yeah. real. Watching they watch it because, it because it's they find it entertaining. Exactly. Yeah. They like it. They yep. they the backstage stuff. They know that.
2: They know it was. Yep. It's all a gig. I mean, me growing up, I knew that wrestling was fake, but uh, we'll fast forward to whatever month the WWF became the WWE (laughs) because they came to Tupelo, Mississippi to do a Monday Night Raw. Did you go? That was one of the first times as the WWE. I went. I bet it was a blast. I went and I was called backstage by Tony Schiavone, the ring announcer. And he's like, "Okay, um, I want you to come out there with me. You're going to do your little spiel, invite, thank people for coming out, you know, get them hyped up, mm-hmm. and then you give the microphone to me." And I'm like, "Oh, okay. Boy. I had no idea that this was going to happen." So I'm standing in the backstage area. He's running over the rules. I mean, with how me.
1: did that happen? Were you Monk at this time?
2: No, I was not Monk. I was still going by my original name. What I used to go, I used to go by Shane on ninety-nine point nine The Fox. Okay, okay. And so I was with ninety-nine point nine The Fox. I mean, I'd only been in radio for, you know, at this point, like eight, nine, ten years, you know. So this had to be surreal. Yes. So I'm I'm at the Corp South Center, which is a a full-on arena. About 9,000 people in the arena that night for um, Monday Night Raw, I think it was.
1: Yeah, slim pick and small crowd.
2: Yeah. And so (laughs) I'm standing backstage with him, and he's going through the rules with me. And right in front of me is this entire room. It's a hospitality room. Not, all the wrestlers, good, bad people, everybody, just yes. sitting there eating dinner together, and the only person that I remember seeing that was bigger than me, and I'm six-two and a quarter. Yeah. The only person I remember seeing that was bigger than me was Probably. the Undertaker.
0: Yeah,
1: he's
0: big. He
2: boy. was across the room giving an interview. They had like a little area set up where they gave their little interviews. Um, everybody else was just sitting there eating. Nobody else was bigger than me. Like when I'm watching TV, I'm thinking these dudes are seven foot tall. You know. Mm-hmm. But I'm watching Val Venus and whoever he wrestled that night right in front of us talking about what they're going to do in the ring. And I'm like, this just kills all. I mean, I knew it was fake, but like, you know what I mean? I had this like vision, that was, you know, and then we had to get out. I had to go out. She was like, all right, look, so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to, we're going to go out there. They're going to give me the mic. I'm going to hand it to you. You're going to get in the ring. He goes, no, no jumping up on the turnbuckles. No bouncing against the ropes. You stand in the center of that ring. You make your announcements. You get everybody hyped up. You give the microphone to me. And then you go and stand on the turnbuckles. Just stand beside the turnbuckles yeah. and wait for me. And when I'm done, we'll get off stage together and we'll go backstage. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. I went out there. I tell you, honestly, 9,000 people. I stood in the center of that ring. And I hyped them up and they cheered and yelled. I could hear them, but I didn't see not one face in the entire oh, crowd. Dude, um,
1: I would way rather, no matter what I'm doing, whether it's public speaking or like playing music or mm-hmm. wh- whatever I'm doing, I would way rather do it for 10,000 people.
2: Oh, most. Than 10 people. Most definitely, man. Every I, single time. I announced a band called New August one time at the Jupiter Bar and Grill in Tuscaloosa. There were 10 people in that place and they were and eight of them were on the far end of the room playing pool. I got up there and I announced the band. Crickets. I went the, and I had to look back The they had like a banner hanging from their yeah. keyboard. I had to look back to see what the band name was. I was like, the new August. <laughs> it was the
0: most
2: awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. It was like, okay. All right. We need to uh, get more people in here. Yeah. It's, I would rather talk to ten thousand than I would yeah. ten, for sure. All but yeah, there's my stuff we kinda got away from punk rock, but take you a know. break,
1: come back. Cool. We can Smoke break.
2: Yeah, well we're gonna talk about leading. we need to end with some punk rock though. we will.
0: I'm a party friend, country, I'm a party, I'm right a party, I'm 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 a party, a party, i am a party i am a party i am a party i am a party i am a man i am a party i am a party i am a to i am The way she's twitching I you ain't no wish Company are coming in the the like I'm back with a a firefly It's all free, baby Make it just not true like It's all free, baby Make me love to you
1: So we got a little off base, but we're back now. <laughs> Had to talk a little bit about wrestling.
2: Damn beer.
1: Yeah. What is up with this? Double uh, IPA over here. Got me all talking over here. Yeah.
2: Paradise Lost Double Dry Hopped IPA from SoPro. SoPro, like literally, like send, me, send us some t-shirts or something because we have drank more of your beer on this. We probably drank more SoPro than anything else.
1: It's either that or Parish.
2: They are a solid freaking bre- They're one of, my, one of my favorite breweries. And we need, we just need to make a road trip after the COVID's over and we can do shit like that. Cool. We cool. need to go down to SoPro, man. I would love to check out their brewery. I mean, I know how to brew beer and I'll go through the tour or whatever, but shit, I just want to see how they do it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Their facility and everything. By the way,
1: okay, while we're at it, okay, let's talk a little bit about our favorite brewery in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Druid, Druid City. City. Yes. With a new beer. Now, now, by the way, uh, for most of Alabama and Mississippi right now, I don't know how far distribution goes. These things are readily available thanks to, uh, oh, Huntsville. Who was the guy they teamed up with? Uh,
2: Straight to Ale. Straight
1: to Ale. Uh, You can find our favorite brewery with Bo Hicks. I've had him here on the show. And you can support and try that beer. But they recently just put out this Neon... Moon. The Neon Moon.
2: Yes, because it always reminds me, and and Bo made a a comment about how Neon Moon, he always hears the uh, the Brooks and Dunn song.
0: Oh, yeah. Neon Moon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But let's get this thing back on track. We're here for punk rock, and so it would be, I don't know, we have to walk out on this. Yes,
2: well, I had talked about three of the bands that probably influenced me the most, were Black Flag, Bad Brains, and... Misfits. Misfits.
1: So here we are. So we've
2: not really talked about Bad Brains and Misfits. Let's go. So the Misfits. Horror punk, I guess you could call them. Um, The original lead vocalist for the band was Glenn Danzig, who most people know from Sam Hain and from Danzig. Um, Just, I don't know what it was ever about the Misfits, but I was in a band years ago called uh, the White House Slaves when I was a, a teenager. This is, we're going to say, I'm going to show my age, or tell my age. Here we go. It was probably 91, 92. Um, me and my friend uh, Fenner were, were in our in his gigantic freaking mansion of a house that his dad owned. Hell you know,
1: punk name, by the way. Props. Yeah.
2: White, I mean, that makes total sense now, White House Slaves. But we also had a, a sister band. That uh, Good friends of ours. We used their practice space many times. A band called USA, the United Sisters of the Apocalypse. <laughs> and man, we had so much fun. But we, like we, cause I think we listened to probably like early Metallica records and Misfits records. Yeah. So we were kind of a mesh metal. between the two. Um, we became more metal, uh, especially when we we finally decided on a, on a guitar player that we really liked. A guy named Jim Bob, rest in peace. Um Jim Bob was a very metal guitar but he was a Megadeth fan. Okay. So he was intricate on his guitar playing and stuff like that, man, but the Misfits influenced us so much. I don't know what it was about the Misfits. I think the fact that they were so much different than any punk rock I'd ever listened to because they brought up visions of like old horror movies and things like that to mind and I love horror cuz when I was that age, I wanted to make um masks for horror movies that was my, my thing it, you know? it was your thing
1: yeah. and also you have to go back I mean this was during your skater years yep and this is what you were listening to it was, well. good. It was good music to yeah. skate to
2: yeah yeah you know um, and then props to Voivod too we listened to a lot of Voivod at the time I don't know why our drummer but I mean we had a we had a good thing going and the Misfits though just I don't know a whole lot about the Misfits as far as history is concerned other than, I mean because for the majority of the time they had the same members Um, Mm -hmm. They were one of the first punk bands to have a female bass player at the very start of things as well. I'm sorry, a fem, yes, a female bass player because Jerry only, did Jerry only play guitar? Shit, I don't know. I'm getting confused now because we've had enough beer, but the Misfits Now, I was so surprised to have seen them in my hometown, but the Misfits Now does not contain um, Glenn Danzig. No. Jerry Only the original bass player for the band he is the uh, vocalist now Dez Candina from Black Flag he came over as playing guitar Robo the original drummer for the Misfits now with Black, or well at one point with Black Flag again um, he's the drummer now
0: you
1: know, you know this like the thing about punk rock it, it it is the only exception that I will make that I'm okay with with original members and like Sharing and stuff.
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like we talked about with Black Flag. To think about how many good bands came out of Black Flag. Yeah. You know? I mean, to think about how many good musicians came out of the Misfits, maybe. And know? I would
1: say the same argument, just to uh Tide. Row uh, Tide. Uh, hmm My God. Powerhouse. Yeah. And yeah. even the Blips. Yep. To go sidetrack here. Props, Taylor. Thank you, yes, Taylor. Yes,
2: Taylor Hollingsworth. Love you, mean it. Yeah, <laughs> big heart. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, that's that's one of the cool things about music is where things go from there. Because you think about Lee Baines mm-hmm. and the Glory Fires. You mean Lee Baines, played with the Dexatines. Matt Patton, bass player drive-by. from the Drive-By Truckers, played with the Dexatines. Taylor Hollingsworth with the Dexatines. Mystic Valley.
1: Yes. Now the blue Brad
2: Armstrong with the... Dexatines, you Dexatines, know? And
1: now doing his own thing. Yeah, I mean, there's... And
2: it is dope. So many freaking good bands come out of, like, one band that may get a start, you know? Yeah. Um, and But then it's cool to see, too, that the original band stays together. Like, the yeah. Misfits are still together, the Dexatines are still together, yeah. you know?
1: and it's not like a, it's... I find it more inclusive than exclusive. Sure, sure. Oh, definitely.
2: And, definitely.
1: And those are the things that I cherish and appreciate about... Yeah. What? I'm glad, okay. I'm glad that you are. Uh, <laughs> Props uh, to Amazon <laughs> yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah, thank you, know. Alexa. Yeah, You're coming through right now. <laughs> uh, but we're off again. Had to get the Taylor plug in.
2: Yes, sure, Taylor Hollingsworth.
1: And one day he's gonna be right there.
2: Taylor Hollingsworth, right there.
1: You got an honorary chair.
2: Taylor Hollingsworth chair, right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And thanks so much to Taylor. The other night when he did the, um, the, the the Porch Talk live stream from his house, yeah. he gave props to Al and Monk, and he gave props to Untapped and Vinyl, and man, we appreciate that. And Westphalia, oh my God, is the killer. I, I, I was like, I was thinking like Ring of Saturn would be for me, but it's okay,
1: I'm cool. <laughs> Westphalia. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was talking to him. I, I talked to him a little bit last night, and... Uh, I had always slept on it like since I had been getting familiar. Yeah. But uh I can't say enough about Dominos.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you posted that today or would you yeah. post that last yeah. night? Yeah, I saw it yeah, today. It was
1: last night, you know. And uh THC productions, you can find that on YouTube. That's Taylor's uh YouTube page. There's good content there. Like you can catch like exactly like why have a Taylor, I thought that was brilliant from Flower Moon to have a Taylor head, bo- you know, bobblehead. A yeah. You know, and, and you saw that on the live stream. Yeah. It's like his head's going to be going while he's playing. Oh, must you know?
2: definitely, man. He, yes, he has a bobblehead. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that with the, the most art, but yes, yeah. I think that's one of the coolest things because that is one musician that I know of. And I mean, I probably could think of a few more if I tried, but Taylor Hollingsworth, feels that music man it don't matter it's just like his body just moves and he just feels it and he's shaking that head And it's just... you
1: know like the, the Facebook messages and the text messages I got during and after that were um, people I did not think would tune in and watch yeah really and they all said the same thing they didn't tune in and stay in but they tuned in for like a song or maybe two and then like you know it's yeah, typical yeah, yeah, yeah. and I don't expect it's
2: weird to because people got their lives and yeah, life and shit it's yeah. a
1: live stream you know it's like yeah I'm watching this guy on my phone or whatever but once again this it's, it's a point of artist discovery for me yes is I want to share people that I believe in on my page and it did just that because the text messages and the Facebook messages and all the things that I received was, I really like his voice. I find it unique. Yep. His guitar work is, is phenomenal.
2: I, I can't. Like, honestly, there's not many more guitar players that I can compare to Taylor because he is a phenomenal guitar player. And how he plays with every finger he's got <laughs> it's just amazing to me, too. He's a true artist. Yes. True very, artist. Very much so.
1: And uh, less misfits.
2: We'll Bad Brains this thing out right now. Yeah. Let's so bad the Bad brains. brains. So check out... Everybody, Like check out Bad Brains. Um, a New York hardcore punk band. Um, I'm sorry. DC hardcore punk band. Um, these guys... Other than the band Death, they were probably the second most well-known or... Really first most well-known, but the second known um, African-American punk band. Um, HR, Dr. No, um, Daryl Jennifer, um, and I forget the drummer's name, sorry. Um, But these guys, they mixed reggae and punk rock. And I think that was the first time that you got to hear a mix because you'd listen to one song on the record, it would be punk rock. All of a sudden, it stopped. And it'd go downbeat and it would be reggae. And then they'd go back to punk rock. Or you would just cut it on and it'd be one whole punk, you know, reggae song, one whole punk rock song. But these guys integrated the two. And I think that right there could kind of maybe, what are you shaking your head for? Oh
1: my
0: God, man. I
1: cannot believe I have not sent you this yet. What? My buddy, originally from Memphis. Yeah. Michael Bibbs. I've had him on the show. Modern Convenience. Yeah. My God, have you got to check him out. Yeah. He's like <laughs> hardcore and reggae at the same time, or what? I would say hardcore more than reggae. Yeah. Uh, lose the reggae. But, dude, it is it is that... <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, man, you're, you're going to really enjoy this. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. I,
2: no, I was... no, no. I mean, I was just saying that, that I think that... I know it probably was not the beginning stages of Ska, because I think, you know, Bob Marley and, and, and the, that whole, uh, you know, sound that they had down there. What was the sound called that Bob Marley and them had? It was not called dub. It was not reggae. Originally, it was... Was it Ska? Maybe it was. I don't know. I don't know. But, it, it wasn't but originally I think, reggae. I, but don't I, think, think, I don't
1: think it was Ska. But I, but I think I Bad know.
2: Brains kind of made Ska make sense for a lot of bands.
1: Okay. Because
2: they mixed, they had their reggae. They they never wore ska. They had their reggae and they had their punk rock. But if you take the two of those together, it you makes ska. ska punk. So I think a lot of bands probably listened to Bad Brains and probably went, "Hey, let's try this out. Mm-hmm. Let's mix the two together." And I mean, bands are still doing it successfully now. I mean, everybody from you know, like we talked about Buck Nine to the Interrupters, the Interrupters you know, uh, to even uh, Tim Timebomb and and Rancid. You know they're a ska punk band in a lot of ways because he got his start with Operation Ivy, you know, straight up ska punk. I mean, there's nothing, anything more you can say about Op Op Ivy than ska punk. Yeah. So that's, but check out Bad Brains. H.R. the lead vocalist, a very spiritual, um, inspirational person. Um, If you follow him on the uh, the Instas, I don't know what his, his Human Rights is what he goes by. But he goes by H.R., you know. It's what it stands for. Um, just Phenomenal stuff. And yeah. I'll dip out there. That's my Great. two cents on the history of punk rock. We could talk about other bands, too. There's so many good... Millen Kolen, mm. out of Sweden. They're phenomenal. Sham 69, out of England. Um, we could talk about... All day. Green, green
1: Gangrene. I mean, we're talking 70 years, almost. I guess give or take 60, you know. 60 years of music. 60 years of going against something. I wouldn't say 60. It's not been around that it's long. It's 2020. And it started in the late 60s, right? Oh, shit. You're right. God
2: dang. We're getting old, dude.
1: <laughs> Watch yourself, though. No this dude.
2: has been, this has been, like, I really don't dug... I'm making
1: 30 look good over here now. Yeah. Well, I'm,
2: I'm making mid-40s look good over <laughs> there here. There you go. Even though know, the women don't think so, but... I'm making it look good. Hey, regardless, I'm powering through, <laughs> yeah. but you know, like this has been probably the coolest episode, man, because I really enjoyed our, our hill country blues episode. Um, I don't know where to go from here. Cause I think the two genres I probably know most about are probably hill country or blues and punk rock. So I don't know where we can go from here to make it any more exciting. We'll have to like, we'll have to actually do research and, <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will, I will.
1: I I don't know. Like, uh, I I think we'll be fine because we have, uh, you know, we've got a lot of... We've got the Taylor Hollingsworth chair.
2: The Taylor Hollingsworth chair. And we have Adam Hood. We've got to get over to Adam's house and get into his brain because that... uh, I don't know how he feels about the COVID, but he's got a front porch, I believe. Yeah. So maybe we can just hook up on his front porch.
1: I'm not in any rush. We can wait for this thing to end. Yeah. You know, that's been the big thing about, like, podcasts and all. You know, is like... uh, I haven't put episode. Like, I was doing two a week, no problem. And then, like, the pandemic started and it kind of got sporadic for me. Just because it wasn't because they weren't there. It's because I did not want to do a phone interview with them.
2: Sure, because we did one phone interview, and it was not our best. That was probably the worst episode we ever did. Because you're just not able to look at each other and, and get each other's vibe.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, like, you know, from Tennessee, Mississippi, even Louisiana, Alabama especially, um. I'll go there. I'll, sure. I will meet you in your living room. Sure. If you're brave enough to have me, I'm brave enough to make the drive out there. But, like, right now, uh, for my health, your health, I'm not asking that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, everything that I had lined up over the past few months, I'm not comfortable. Sure. They're not comfortable. Yeah. And I respect it on both ends. Yeah. And so... And
2: I mean, I love you uh, I, like a brother, but I'm going to lice all the shit out of this place when you leave my house. <laughs> yeah,
1: you can, you can, I mean, think about that. Okay, Beck. But you are
2: very, you came in, you had your mask on, you was like, you were feeling me out. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I was like, and I, appreciate I mean, we're, that. We're, we're having a beer now, and so I don't, we obviously don't have a mask sure, on. Sure, sure, you know? sure, sure. And plus, I was like, can, let me, let me, is this as good as this, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a little more muffled when I put the mask on, yeah. but.
1: I get it. I get it. Totally yeah. get it. But um, whatever your thoughts are on wear a mask, don't wear a mask, is, um you know, I, I've, I've seen it go both ways. And I'm not here to debate that. Um,
2: but, but I will say, regardless of how you feel, if there are restaurants where you live that only do curbside, Support that. Please support those businesses. Those businesses, they feel the way they feel for a reason, regardless of whether you feel like that. Support them because they're trying to keep their staff and their their patrons safe. Um, Not that the other places are not, because I know there's cleanliness things going on in all restaurants that are even open. But if you get the chance to support a restaurant who just does curbside, please do it. You
1: know. And I mean, one
2: night a week one night a month just yeah, support whatever them.
1: that looks like yeah even with uh, Druid City Brewing, back to them one more time I love doing the curbside pickup like that totally changed the game of going and getting beer for me it's like I can pull up to a brewery and they'll bring it out to me yeah I don't even have to get out of my truck but I mean you don't always get a, a Bo Hicks hug out of that Oh, that's, that's a good.
2: That's one of the best parts. A... Or, or a Seth hug. Ooh, I love me a Seth now, hug. Now you, you know. Now, you, now, you, now, you,
1: now you're talking. And we can't get that and no more. We're that's... just doing air high fives right now. <laughs> yeah, we're on, we're on yeah with exactly.
2: That.
1: <laughs> well, brother, I think we've uh, we've covered it up. Um, this has been the punk episode. I don't think I don't think we're done here. I think we can revisit it. I'm as good, as we, man. I mean, can... there's
2: dude, like we talked about. There are so many different genres of
1: punk that we could cover this for the next six months. But this is just the introduction. And this, like like I said, it's like, when I saw that post you done, I was like, why have I not talked to Monk about doing this? I'm,
2: I'm a punk rock at heart. And if like, if you know me now, if any of you meet me, um, you probably would not think that I was, I hopefully would think that I was at one point a punk rocker, but my boss, um, at the Columbus arts council said to me today, you like punk rock. You were a punk rocker. (laughs) I'm like, Oh my God! Have I become that fellow? Oh you know, look. am I like am I fucking Green Day now? <laughs> you know? It's like, it's like what, is it, what
1: does that even look like? Yeah, day?
2: it's like no, and it's like oh, no. I love punk rock, I mean, that was that's my genre of choice. That and
1: blues. Man, last week I had a coworker. Uh, she walked into my office for out before I headed out to do my field work, and um, I, I've been out in the field a lot lately. Our system hasn't been working correctly, so I had to be out in the field to try to figure out why. And uh, she caught me in the office. And I like talking to her. Like, she's a lot of fun to talk to. And uh, the thing I respect the most about her is uh, she don't cut shit. Like, sure. she's very straight. Gotcha. And she just walked up to my desk and she said, Are you, like, a secret college kid? A secret college kid? And I said, I said, Eileen, I'm 30 years old. <laughs> you know? Uh, what, what do you mean? She's like, You got long hair. You like wearing your hair your hat backwards. When I don't see any work uniform, you always got a band shirt on. And I was like, yeah. it's, I'm just being me. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's, I don't see anything in the handbook wrong about having long hair or having a beard or wearing a band shirt, you know? Yeah. I'm not going out and just disturbing the city. <laughs> I, I'm just supporting the things that I love. Damn metalhead, you. Yeah. I bet you smoked the pot. Oh, no. You know,
2: anyway, let's get out of here, man. All right, brother. Get the lights all out. Let's go. Yep.
1: One, two, three, go. One, two, three, go. News and notes. Thank you so much for listening to Porch Talk. If you haven't done so already, I would ask that you would rate and review the show on whatever podcast app it is that you listen to. That means a lot if you would just take the time to do that. It's like clicking a button. Do that for me. Now, with the songs that you heard, up first you heard Modern Convenience. Band out of Nashville. My buddy Mike Bibbs. The song was called So So Modern. Then later you heard Night Surf. Choose How to Lose. My friend Jamie Rogers out of Starville. And Lastly, you heard Green Mantles. That would be like the horror punk. The song called Swamp Thing. And I'm going to walk on out the door now. Golly, it shouldn't surprise you. Here's the blips. Inside out. song you just you just play in the blips I hear you yeah that's exactly how it goes this is the after credits porch talk and I'm
0: finally gonna get out of here save big on your Memorial Day barbecue all in the Kroger app